leading us this morning and for those wonderful songs. Thank you, Julie, for your words and your prayer as well this morning. Well, this man on the screen, Martin Luther, was one of the Christian leaders when we began this series on Romans that we said his life was changed by the book of Romans. And his battle with sin and Satan as a believer was a very real battle. Uh, There's a very well-known story in Luther's life about how there was a a period of, of time, a day, in which he perceived that uh, he was under attack by the devil himself. And Luther picked up an ink bottle, and this attack seemed to him so real that he hurled it across the room at Satan. Now, obviously, he missed, and uh, the ink bottle hit the wall, but that's how real the battle was to him. More realistically, uh, one day Luther was asked how he overcame the devil. And I want you to listen to what he said. He said, well, when Satan comes knocking upon the door of my heart and asks who lives here, the Lord Jesus goes to the door. And he says, Martin Luther used to live here, but he has moved out. And when Satan sees the nail scars in his hands and the pierced side, He takes flight immediately. And Luther clearly knew what the Bible teaches, that the battle is the Lord's. And our fight against Satan and sin is won in the strength of the Lord. I want you to look with me at what Luther said about this in his commentary on Galatians. Look at his so helpful statement for us. He said, Christ's victory is the overcoming of the law, of sin, our flesh, the world, the devil, death, hell, and all evils. And this, His victory, He has given to us. And all God's people said this morning, Amen. Now this is really what Romans chapter 6 is all about. We have been given the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, when sin and Satan come knocking at the door, we can send our Savior to the door to face the foe. But here's the question for us today. How do we do that? What are the practical actions that we take? Well, this morning I want to come back to this message we started a few weeks ago entitled under new management, in our battle with sin. And you may recall that as we are looking together at verses 11 through 14 in Romans 6, that we saw the Apostle Paul, who is the master of metaphor, told us that if we are to win this battle with sin in our lives, that we are to approach sin in three ways. Number one, the financial accountant. And here's what we're to count to be true, that sin is a defeated foe in believers. And then the second metaphor is the dethroned dictator, and here's what we are to understand, that sin is still a defiant foe. Remember what we said, uh, the issue is not the presence of sin in us, but it is the dominion of sin over us. 
Sin is still present in us as a believer. Therefore, we will never be sinless, but sin no longer has dominion over us. Therefore, we will sin less. And now this morning, we come to the third metaphor that Paul uses, the loyal soldier. And here's what we learn from God's Word today. Sin is a daily choice. Would you take your Bibles and open with me to Romans 6? In the chair Bible in front of you, it's about page 1120. And this morning, I want us to focus in on verses 13 to 14 as we look at this image of the loyal soldier. And notice, as we look at the context, starting in verse 12, let's notice what God's Word says. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. And now notice this. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but you are under grace. Let's pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, how important this is. The very reason you saved us, the very purpose you came, is that we might be conformed to your glorious image. And every believer that has this hope in himself or herself purifies themselves, even as he, Christ, is pure. And thank you, Lord, that the Bible does not leave it in generalities, but the Bible gets right down to the practical things we can do to live a holy life. Teach us now that today as we think of ourselves as loyal soldiers in the army of Jesus Christ. For His sake we pray. Amen. I want you to notice, uh, first of all, as we look at these verses, the military image of the Christian life. It's very vivid here in verses 13 and 14. Uh, the word instruments, which you will find twice in verse 13, is actually a military word that carries the idea of weapons. It is the very same word that was used of the weapons carried by those who arrested Jesus in the garden in John 18.3. And so the Apostle Paul is giving to us a very vivid image we are to have in our minds of the Christian life. Now, if we were to put that image on the screen here this morning, this is what Paul is saying we are to understand and view this Christian experience that we've been brought into. The Christian life is a military war. And there are two combatants in this war. Indwelling sin that has been dethroned still wants to be king. But the true king in our lives is Christ who the Bible says is now in us. The weapons that both of these combatants want to use are the parts of our body. The strategy of indwelling sin is to lead us to commit sin, while the strategy of Christ is to lead us to do right. The tactics of indwelling sin are the evil desires of our old Adamic nature, 
While the tactic of Christ is our duty to God, the power that indwelling sin has is the law. That's the power to condemn us. But the power that Christ uses is the power of grace. That's an enabling power that enables us. And when we yield to indwelling sin as a believer, we are a disloyal soldier. But when we yield to Jesus Christ, we are loyal to Him. Let me ask you, is this your view of the Christian life? Is this how you see yourself every day that you wake up in the morning, that you are a participant in this warfare? That's what Paul wants us to see. I like what Pastor John Piper says in his message at this very point. Listen to what he says. I'm not making up this battle imagery. Paul is pointing to it. Don't let the rebel sin capture the members of your body and turn them into weapons against the true king. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul wants us to see. Now as we look at this battle, Paul says to us then, there are three choices that we must make And then there is a promise that is our encouragement that we can actually do this in the Christian life. And so let's spend some time together looking at these three choices and the promise that undergirds all of them. Here's the first one. Number one, don't present your weapons to sin the enemy. Look again at verse 13. Do not present your members to sin as instruments, as weapons for unrighteousness. Now notice the very first thing we must see is that our bodily members are weapons. Our eyes, our hands, our feet, our brain, they are not neutral. They are not neutral. Sin needs the members of our bodies to actualize itself. Without weapons, sin cannot act. And so let's think about this this morning. Without the hand, sin cannot steal. Without the tongue, sin cannot argue. Without the eyes, sin cannot covet. Without the brain, sin cannot lust. And so what we begin to see here is our duty then is not to let sin use our bodies to commit acts of wickedness. We could put it in another way. You can't kick sin out of your life, but you can disarm it. As a Christian, you cannot kick sin out of your life. But what you can do is disarm it. You can take its weapons away. That's why verse 13 begins, Do not present your members to sin. Don't place the parts of your body at sin's disposal. That's the choice we have to make. Now this morning, uh, to bring this home to us, uh, I want to share with you some questions that Pastor Kent Hughes, who formerly was the pastor of College Avenue Church in Wheaton, Illinois, 
And then Joe Bailey, who was a Christian author, speaker, at one time a staff member with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I want to share with you some questions that they ask as they think about this to bring this home to our lives. Let me read these questions for you. Here they are. First from Pastor Hughes. Are there places where your feet carry you that you have no business being? Perhaps a social establishment you visit after hours. Are there events which you attend which involve temptations you cannot handle? Regarding the hand, are there hidden activities and habits which occupy you? Things perhaps which if someone else knew about, you would be most embarrassed. And then listen to Joe Bailey, a Christian educator, author, and former staff member with InterVarsity. Listen to his questions. What are we reading? Do we have books or magazines which we want no one else to see? What are we renting at the video store or from Netflix? How many hours do we spend watching TV? How many murders? How many chapters of the Bible did we read last week? Where do our minds go when we have no duties to perform? If our answers leave us guilty, we must go to extremes to rid ourselves of the offending member, and only we ourselves can do it. You see, the imagery here is an imagery that all of us understand very well. No soldier fighting for his country would take his weapons and offer those weapons to the enemy to fight against him. That soldier would know immediately, that's treason, I don't do that. And in a similar way, there is to be a dedication on our part that I'm not going to take the members of my body and hand them over to sin and temptation to fight against me in this war with sin. No, instead, I'm going to make a determined choice in my life not to present my weapons to sin, the enemy. Now let me continue here. Because with that initial commitment, notice how Paul continues. Notice number two. Number two, present yourselves to God, your new commander. Look at the middle of verse 13. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Now at this point in this verse, there is a very important change in the grammar of these choices. And we have to look very carefully at the change in the grammar. The first and third choices are present tense commands, and therefore they refer to an ongoing daily choice. But the second choice that I've just read in the middle of the verse, 13, is an aorist tense command, and what it does is it views the action as a whole. It refers to a wholehearted and loyal dedication to God that is urgent and decisive. Let me say that again. Paul here is talking about a wholehearted 
and loyal dedication to God that is urgent and that is decisive. When I was a teenager, I remember being at Bible camp like many of our young people have been this summer. And I remember one camp, uh, it was uh, the last night before camp uh, was finished, and we had a great big bonfire. And at the bonfire, they had candles. And they said to us as young people, if we wanted to surrender our lives completely to God, we could take that candle, light it, and stand around the fire sort of as an indication that, Lord, I want my life to be totally and completely dedicated to You. I was a teenager. Not much older, maybe the same age as some of you that are here this morning. And I remember that night wanting to do that. I took my candle and I lit it and I stood with the others that stepped out from the crowd around the fire. And I recall in my mind saying, Lord, I want You to rule my life in everything. Do you know for years, that candle was in my bedroom. And every time I looked at that candle, it was very, very helpful to me. And here's what I learned as a young person. My candle was only as good as my daily dedication to the Lord. Every time I saw that candle, it reminded me of that commitment that I had made and I needed to renew that commitment to the Lord every day of my life. Later on in Romans, the Apostle Paul will give us another verse in which he will share this same truth with us. Look at this verse that we all know so well. Romans 12.1 I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, because this is what spiritual worship is all about. Do you know, uh, there used to be a teaching about this verse that this is referring to a one-time crisis dedication in the life of the Christian, so that it is a one-time dedication. Let me ask you this morning, uh, is this a one-time dedication or is it a daily dedication? It's a daily. It's a daily thing. One of the most famous statements associated with this verse is one that many of you have heard. But let me put it up on the screen and let's read it together, okay? Let's read it. The problem with living sacrifices is that they keep crawling off of the altar. How many times have you crawled off the altar? How many times have I? And so my old professor, Tom Constable, is right. Romans 12.1 and Romans 
is a constant necessity. It's a constant necessity. By the way, I wondered who is the person who said this. I wanted to know who was the one who said this. And so I did a little research and I discovered it was D.L. Moody, the founder of Moody Bible Institute. Probably one of the most dedicated Christians who has ever lived. And yet he understood his own temptation to crawl off the altar and take control of his own life and live his own life the way that he wanted to live it. And therefore, he understood this is a constant necessity to rededicate my life on a constant basis to my new commander, who is the Lord. And that's what Paul says is our duty as we fight this battle with sin. Now let's notice the third choice that we are to make. Number three, do present your weapons to God to do what is right. Look at the end of verse 13. And your members to God as instruments or weapons for righteousness. Now, it is this third action that I believe explains how we accomplish the second action. I want you to notice something uh, very clear here. The ESV, the English Standard Version, which I'm using this morning, does not repeat the word present at the end of verse 13, but it is clearly implied. Let me uh, bring uh, the verse up here for us this morning and notice this. The word present is used twice. First the negative, don't present your members as weapons to sin. Then the wholehearted, loyal dedication, present yourselves to God. And then the positive side, notice that the word is implied by the word and, but it is not specifically stated. You know what this tells me? This tells me action number three is closely associated with action number two. This tells me that we place ourselves at God's command when we use our bodily parts to please Him. So if we want to know how have I placed myself as a loyal soldier at the behest and command of God, the answer is we then begin to give our bodily members to Him to please Him. Now, I believe there's an important lesson here, and I want to state it for us this way this morning. Here is the lesson. In using our bodies for right choices, we break the wrong choices. Let me say that again. In using our bodies for right choices, we break the wrong choices. Please hear me this morning. The Christian life is not simply negative. What I don't do, it is also positive. What I must do. So I not only stop stealing with my hands, I must use my hands to work and to share with others. It's not enough for me to stop 
cutting down my family with sarcastic remarks, but I must also build up my family by words of praise. It is not enough to stop reading the wrong material with my eyes. I must use my eyes to read the right material. It's not enough to stop going to establishments that I shouldn't go to. I must also go to places that I should go to that will feed my faith and build up my Christian life. So do you see what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here today? As I offer my body daily to God to do right, I train myself not to offer my body daily to sin. As I offer my body daily to God to do what is right, I am in that very process training my body to not offer itself to sin to do what is wrong. What a profound truth is here. In using our bodies for the right choices, we break the wrong choices. That's how the battle with sin is won. Now I want you to notice that Paul rounds out this section by giving us a promise. And we might look at these three things and say, you don't know the power of sin in my life. It's not possible for me to do what this text is saying. And Paul understood that we would need encouragement. And so look what he says. You can do this because of grace. Look at verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you. Now let me reiterate again. What is not being taught here is that we no longer have the presence of sin in us because we always will, therefore we will never be sinless. But what is being taught here is as a Christian, we no longer have the dominion of sin over us, therefore we will sin less. So we will never be sinless in this life until we see the Lord, until He comes for us, and Paul makes that very clear. But we will sin less as we walk this way with Jesus because the power of sin or the dominion of sin is no longer over us. Now notice why this is true. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Fasten on that. If you're a Christian, this is your promise. Christ lives in you and He has liberated you. In fact, notice how He said that back in verse 13. You've been brought from death to life. Now in verse 
14, he tells us because of the enabling power of grace, that's why we have been brought from death to life. Verse 14 then is one of the most beautiful statements in all of the Bible. It simply means that grace has done for us what the Old Testament law could not do. Grace has brought the power of the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives to give us divine enablement. Therefore, sin can no longer lord it over us as believers because we've been empowered by grace. This is our promise. This is our promise. You remember how we began this message from these verses a few weeks ago? How you see yourself will determine how you behave. The way you live is directly connected with your identity. And if you see yourself as having died with Christ and now having risen with Him in new life, as we witnessed last week in the baptisms out at the lake, then you recognize, I now must live a new life. I must be different. All things have passed away. All has become new. And therefore, because of grace, I can live this new life. Sometimes a personal illustration (coughs) will help. And whenever I use Ellen in a personal illustration, I have learned it's usually best to get her permission to do this. And I said to her, you know, honey, can I share this? And I said, you know, don't worry, you come out looking very good. And uh, so she was more than willing to let me do this. Um, One day, excuse me, one day, uh, Ellen made a mistake in opening an item that cost $30. And she felt really bad about it because having opened it the wrong way and damaged it, She thought, I'm not going to be able to return this for a refund. And so the item is ruined and the money is lost. And so she felt very, very bad about it. So then I get home and I learn uh, what has happened. And I knew immediately what I should not say. I knew immediately I should not say, uh, didn't you know, that's that's not how you're supposed to open it. Um, I know, I know Ephesians 4:32. You're reading Ephesians, and it says, "Be kind." So I know that. I knew I'm not supposed to say this. So guess what I did? I said it. And trust me, it didn't go over very well. And you have to say, I knew. I knew. So why did I say it? Well, I was upset over the loss of $30. A sinful anger welled up within me. And that statement let out my frustration. What did I do? I offered my mouth to sin and I made the statement that I knew 
was unkind. Well, fortunately, I apologized. I asked for forgiveness. Ellen's a very forgiving person. And then I made the statement that I knew I should have made all along. I said to her, everyone makes mistakes. It's only 30 bucks. It's no big deal. You see, had I offered my tongue to God in the first place and asked for His control, I would not have sinned. And I really did the exact opposite of all of this. I gave my mouth as a weapon to sin the enemy. I took control away from my commander, God. And I did not ask Him, first and foremost, for His help, so that instead I would say the right thing. And all of it was my fault. Because grace had trained me to do something far different. The more that we study our Bibles and learn God's will, the more we are able to bring our daily choices under wisdom. And the more wisdom that we have, the more we are able to say no to sin and yes to God. And one of the whole reasons we are here today as the people of God is we are here to renew our dedication to the Lord. We are here to gain His wisdom so that in the battle with sin we can draw upon grace, upon truth, and upon strength to live as we know the Lord wants us to. Let's renew our commitment today, shall we? Let's just read these three promises and a choice, and then or these three choices and a promise, and then we'll gather around the table of the Lord. Let's read them together. Don't present your weapons to sin the enemy. Present yourselves to God, your new commander. Do present your weapons to God to do what is right. You can do this because of grace. Let's bow together for a moment of prayer. If every day should be a day of renewing our commitment to God, certainly Sunday should be one of those days. And as we have been singing, as the praise team led us in a wonderful song of Come All Christians Be Committed, This is another opportunity to say, Lord, I'm fully yours.
I want to be a loyal soldier. I want to renew my commitment this day to you as my commander. I'm resolved not to give my weapons to sin, the enemy. Knowing that I will not do that perfectly, but there is something about the resolve that will strengthen me. And then I resolve to give my weapons to you. That I might do those things that are pleasing to you. And then would you thank the Lord that grace has invaded your life? You've been brought from death with Christ to life. And He has made you new. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. That's who you are. And the God who says, I will give you daily supplies of grace, will give you everything you need to battle sin and Satan in the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you thank the Lord that grace has invaded your life? And now tell the Lord that your quest is in studying the Bible and fellowshipping with other Christians and worshiping God. You will seek to gain the wisdom that you need so that when sin and temptation confronts you, you will have the wisdom to say yes to God and no to sin. Lord, today hear our prayers. Sanctify us. Help us to be holy, for You are holy. Thank You for giving us the resources, the tools, the insight, the know-how. How we love You for it. In Jesus' name, Amen.